Brand protection. Brand protection is the process and set of actions that a right holder undertakes to prevent third parties from using its intellectual property without permission, as this may cause loss of revenue and, usually more importantly, destroys brand equity, reputation and trust. Brand protection seeks primarily to ensure that trademarks, patents, and copyrights are respected, though other intellectual property rights such as industrial design rights or trade dress can be involved. Counterfeiting is the umbrella term to designate infringements to intellectual property, with the exception of the term piracy which is sometimes, colloquially, used to refer to copyright infringement. A more narrow definition of brand protection which focuses on trademark infringement, is sometimes used. Counterfeiting of physical goods that involves trademark infringement is indeed one of the predominant forms of intellectual property infringement. However, both copyright and patent infringement are possible without an associated trademark infringement, and both may result in loss of revenue and of brand equity. Eliminating diversion, gray market, or product theft and resale, are generally considered as part of a brand protection strategy, even though an intellectual property may not be necessarily infringed. Organizational measures. Registration and management of intellectual property is considered a prerequisite to launching a brand protection strategy. Effective brand protection measures generally involve implementing prevention processes, monitoring processes, and reaction processes. Internally, the anti-counterfeiting unit will report to top management, develop the brand protection processes, and collaborate closely with the relevant functions for each region and business unit. It will organize training and promote a culture of managing sensitive information carefully with external stakeholders. Internally and externally. For large organizations, an effective brand protection strategy requires collaboration and cooperation between departments, functions, and geographies, as well as with external stakeholders such as customs, law enforcement agencies, governments, industry partners including competitors, retailers and online marketplaces, and suppliers. It requires training of personnel and the development of a company culture of managing sensitive information carefully, both internally and externally. It can however be difficult to secure a sufficient budget and resources as losses due to intellectual property infringement are difficult to quantify. Methods exist to quantify the return on investment of elements of a brand protection strategy such as the use of product authentication systems, yet organizations must first acknowledge the existence and significance of the problem. A cross-industry benchmark was made with the person in charge of anti-counterfeiting of 45 companies with global market presence. The two organizational measures that were judged as most effective are those that help with the integrity of the supply chain, and those that contribute to securing distribution channels. Technical Measures At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. 
According to the UAPO, counterfeiting detection technologies may be classified into five main categories, electronic, marking, chemical and physical, mechanical and technologies for digital media. ISO Standard 12931 provides guidelines and performance criteria to help brand owners define the particular authentication elements for either the packaging or material goods itself, based on a counterfeiting risk analysis. Overt security features, such as a security hologram or optically variable ink, can be verified by an untrained user with human senses, typically by eyesight. Covert security features are verified with an off-the-shelf or purpose-built authentication tool. Both covert and overt security features may also go through the use of specialized equipment by a skilled expert. Overt security features have been criticized for their ineffectiveness, but others argue that they can be extremely difficult to replicate. Covert security features used to be verifiable by very few people, and consumers were unaware of their presence. However, according to the ISO standard 12931, a smartphone is technically equivalent to an off-the-shelf covert authentication tool, yet it is a mass-market device which opens authentication on a large scale. Furthermore, it can support overt security authentication by providing the instructions, after a QR code scan, to visually verify an overt authentication element. According to the ISO standard 12931, track and trace solutions alone, for example a serialized 2D barcode placed on each product, is not authentication. QR codes have indeed no protection against exact copy, unless additional techniques are used in combination. Furthermore, QR codes can be vulnerable to being spoofed, where the counterfeiter uses a new QR code to redirect the consumer to a fake authentication response page. There are ways to address this fraud, for example by encouraging users to authenticate through visiting a trusted channel such as the brand owner's website or social media account. A number of techniques exist, such as digital watermarks and secure graphics which are added into QR codes to make them robust against copy, and an app can be used to authenticate. There is also ongoing research on the authentication of blank paper and printed material by extracting the surface fingerprint through a smartphone scan. Consumer Engagement and Distribution Channels Monitoring Distributed channels can be monitored, and illicit activity detected, from the analysis of the data generated from the QR code scans. Consumers can be incentivized to scan QR codes or NFC tags on products, not necessarily for the primary purpose of verifying authenticity, but to obtain relevant information about the product or to engage in a loyalty program. The large quantity of data collected from the scans allows them to monitor distribution channels without the need for hiring investigators, and on a much larger scale. Consumers may actually demand the ability to verify that the product is authentic, and this creates an opportunity to engage with the brand. Online Monitoring With the growth of e-commerce, brand protection activities need to increasingly take place online. Online brand protection software monitors the internet and helps identify the websites that are likely to sell counterfeit, propose gray market goods or misuse the brand and its attributes. Supply Chain Integrity The implementation of track and trace solutions to capture events as goods move through the legitimate supply chain helps to monitor and detect illicit activities. The control of ordered quantities of products or components from third-party suppliers can be made by providing them with secure serialized labels which must be affixed to each item. Copyright Troll A copyright troll is a party, person or company, that enforces copyrights it owns for purposes of making money through strategic litigation, in a manner considered unduly aggressive or opportunistic, 
sometimes while without producing or licensing the works it owns for paid distribution. Critics object to the activity because they believe it does not encourage the production of creative works, but instead makes money through the inequities and unintended consequences of high statutory damages provisions in copyright laws intended to encourage creation of such works. Both the term and the concept of a copyright troll began to appear in the mid-2000s. It derives from the pejorative patent trolls, which are companies that enforce patent rights to earn money from companies that are selling products, without having products of their own for sale. It is distinguished from organizations such as ASCAP, which collect royalties and enforce copyrights of their members. Notable Examples One commentator describes Harry Wall, husband of 19th-century British comic singer Annie Wall, as the world's first copyright troll. Wall set up the author's, composer's and artist's copyright protection office, to collect fees for unauthorized performances of works by composers, often deceased, based on the threat of litigation for statutory damages under the Dramatic Copyright Act of 1842. In the 2000s, the SEO group's effort to obtain royalties in regards to the open-source operating system Linux was viewed as copyright trolling by some of the approximately 1,500 companies from whom SEO demanded licensing royalties, based on a copyright that a court eventually ruled belonged instead to Novell. Novell, by contrast, had no interest or intention of enforcing its copyright against the alleged infringers. The term was also applied to two parties that separately sued Google in 2006, after posting content they knew would be indexed by Google's Googlebot Spider, with the industry standard Noindex opt-out tags deliberately emitted. After Perfect 10, Inc. v. Google Inc., adult magazine Perfect 10 was described as a copyright troll for setting up image links with the intent to sue Google for infringement after Google added them to its image search service. In Field v. Google, a Nevada lawyer took affirmative steps to get his legal writings included in Google's search results so that he could sue Google, and was ruled to have acted in bad faith. More recently, the term has been used to describe entities that bring questionable claims against companies in the fashion industry over purported copyrights in fabric patterns. Righthaven Cases In 2010, copyright-holding company Righthaven LLC was called a copyright troll by commentators, after it purchased copyrights to a number of old news articles from Stevens Media, at the time the publisher of the Las Vegas Review Journal, based on a business model of suing bloggers and other internet authors for statutory damages for having reproduced the articles on their sites without permission. The matter was covered by the Los Angeles Times, Bloomberg News, Wired News, Mother Jones, The Wall Street Journal, The Boston Herald, and other newspapers and news blogs, as well as the Electronic Frontier Foundation, which offered to assist the defendants. The paper's competitor, the Las Vegas Sun, covered all 107 of the lawsuits as of September 1, 2010, describing it as the first known instance of a copyright troll buying the rights to a news story based on finding that its copyright had been infringed. The Review Journal's publisher responded by defending the lawsuits and criticizing the Sun for covering them. In August, 2010, the company entered an agreement with Wetco Media in Arkansas to pursue similar actions, and announced that it was in negotiation with a number of other publishers. Wired Magazine described the activity as borrowing a page from the patent trolls, and noted that the company was demanding $75,000 from each infringer, and agreeing to settlements of several thousand dollars per defendant. In April 2011, a Colorado court ruled in Wright Haven v. Hill that Although plaintiff's business model relies in large part upon reaching settlement agreements with a minimal investment of time and effort, 
the purpose of the courts is to provide a forum for the orderly, just, and timely resolution of controversies and disputes. Plaintiffs' wishes to the contrary, the courts are not merely tools for encouraging and exacting settlements from defendants cowed by the potential costs of litigation and liability. By the second half of 2011, defendants with resources to fight right haven in court were winning cases on grounds that their usage fell within the fair use doctrine and that Stevens Media had actually not assigned full ownership of the copyrighted material to right haven. Right Haven was also sanctioned by at least one judge for failing to disclose that Stevens Media got a 50% cut of any lawsuit proceeds involving the review journal. Successful defendants demanded court costs and legal fees, which Right Haven refused to pay. By December 2011, Right Haven was insolvent and on the auction block. Legal Defense Two lawyers have provided a framework for a legal defense against copyright trolls. Since most of the lawsuits about online copyright infringement rely on a minimal amount of information that targets non-infringers as well as infringers, there are ways to defend against the lawsuit by defense lawyers and pro se defendants that is described in the framework.